All right. Hey, this series has been wonderful, and I appreciate it, Pastor Keith. How many of you are here for last Sunday for Pastor Keith? Aren't you glad? Amen. That word was, was powerful, right on. I'm grateful that he is one of our overseers, and that's part of why we bring him in. We want you to know him. We want you to know he speaks into my life, into this ministry's life. There's a lot of wisdom to speak from there. We had a great picnic last Sunday, and I want to thank uh, Brian and Sarah and all the team that did all the cooking and preparation. Awesome, awesome. Um, it is good to be together in the fellowship, and we're trying to create more and more opportunities for us to build relationships like that. But I want, to, I want you to get your Bibles open to 1 Peter chapter 4, and we've been doing a lot of laying foundational groundwork, and let me just explain why in just a second here. Some of you have called me up, emailed me, Pastor, I need to talk to you about this or that or this about this gift or that gift, and I've tried to just say, hey, slow down a little bit, because here's the deal, we're... We've been doing the 40,000-foot level on gifting, but we're getting ready to come in for a landing and get into some very specific things. The goal is for you to uncover, discover, uh, have greater self-awareness as to who you are, how you're wired, how you operate, and what God has called you to do with you, all right, what your role is. Let me just lay some biblical foundation for why a series on gifting. How's this 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1? It says, now about spiritual gifts... Those special endowments given to us by the Holy Spirit, Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. That word uninformed could easily be uh, translated ignorant or unaware. How many of you know the reason why we're teaching this is because the Bible clearly says we should not be ignorant about how God's wired us, about the special, unique way, uh, the gifts God's deposited in us, the way God's wired us to operate. There's something very important at stake here. And when I preached a couple weeks ago, uh, on First Peter 4, I, I gave you the overview of the whole chapter, and I want to kind of go back here just, just for a moment. I shared with you there were three main themes. One of those themes in this chapter was the theme of suffering, and I want to remind you that as soon as you get done with where we're at today on spiritual gifts, uh, verses 10 and 11, as soon as you go to verse 12, we're right, uh, Peter's right back into talking about suffering, and I want to remind us maybe part of the reason why God has instructed that we are not ignorant about our spiritual gifts is that the reason God has given us spiritual gifts is so that we can help alleviate the pain and the hurting and the suffering that's all around us in this broken world. Uh, I think that's why the Lord's saying don't be ignorant about this because there's a lot of important stuff that I want you to get done. So some of this today is going to be a little bit of of, of rehearsing some basic principles, but then we're going to get into two broad categories of gifts that I want you to see. So today I'm going to actually have you identify like which group you, you identify more with. I'm going to have you stand. We're going to pray over you. We're going to begin activating some things, and we're going to begin putting some stuff into practice today. That's going to continue throughout this series. Let me also mention, next Sunday, dads, it's my chance to give my uh, heart pour out, my heart gush to all the men in this place. We're going to talk about the gift of manhood next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. I encourage uh, you to man up, show up, get your man out. Uh, Find men that are still trying to figure out who they are. Drag them here. Threaten them. No, I'm kidding. But get them here. And uh, and we're going to encourage men next week. It's going to be really, really great. We really want to celebrate God and what he's doing in the lives of our men. All right, let's take a look. First Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. I'm reading from the Passion Translation paraphrase. I love, the, I love the colorful language here. Every believer has received grace gifts, so use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace. For example, if you have a speaking gift, speak as though God were speaking his words through you. 
If you have the gift of serving, do it passionately with the strength that God gives you, so that in everything, everybody say everything, everything, everything God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ, for to Him, to God Almighty, belong the power and the glory forever throughout all ages Amen. What an incredible uh, ending Paul places on, on Peter places on the end of that, of that verse. Let me highlight a couple of major foundational blocks, and then we're going to get into the fork in the road on these gifts of speaking and gifts of serving. Let's take a look at verse 10. I want to drive this point home once again. You've got to get this in your heart. Every believer has received grace gifts. You need to look at me and say this, Pastor, I am gifted. I am a gifted believer in Jesus Christ. I heard it from your own lips. That's the truth. You absolutely are. And we need to remind ourselves that sometimes people have, their, have this bad self-esteem and they feel like, oh, I got the leftover stuff or I don't feel very talented or whatever. I've had, I've had grown adults come up to me as we started this series and they said, you know, I'm still trying to really figure out who I am and what I'm, what I'm called to do. Well, praise the Lord. There's, you're never too late to do this. And let me remind you, this is dress rehearsal for eternity. You, this to me is exciting. You're never going to stop using and maximizing the gifting that God has placed in you. This is really cool. I'm telling you, if you're good at gift X, you're going to take that to the whole next level forever. All right? Forever. Sometimes people get this perverted, twisted idea of heaven that we're just going to float around on clouds and sing songs forever. No, we're not. We're going to be on a renewed earth doing what God has called us to do. No sin, no suffering. We're going to be reunited with loved ones who have gone ahead of us. We're going to be using the gifts God has given us forever and ever and ever to bring him glory and to enjoy this, uh, this planet that he created for people to live on. That's called eternity. So if you're feeling late to the game, that's okay. Uh, you got plenty of time uh, to know who you are and to discover what God has called you to do. But you're gifted. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, a spiritual gift has been given to each of us, the Bible says. So here's what I want us to see, and I really want you to get this. I, I, we preached a few weeks ago to kick off the series, you know, we are God's workmanship created in Christ for good works. I told you you're a masterpiece. That is not flowery language. I'm not trying to be positive self-esteem. This, it's the fact. There is nobody like you. There never will be anybody like you, which means that you're like my grandma's seafood gumbo. She just threw in, she threw in all this stuff, and every time she cooked it, it tastes amazing, and there's no recipe for it because she, she did it all by, by scratch. But guess what you are? You're God's seafood gumbo. God, God invests in you, and you're a recipe that's never been written down except in the mind and heart of God. You're not rep- replicable. Yeah, you get what I'm trying to say. Uh, you, no one's going to make a carbon copy of you. And part of this is that you're God's masterpiece. Check this out. So he uniquely enjoys you as you and only you. So there's a special place in the heart of God for each one of us. Uh, and we all have a personal aspect that God has distributed this in us but i want you to see the second part of this verse in verse 10 it says that uh, we've all received a gift it says uh be faithful stewards of this many colored tapestry of god's grace now this is the second part that's very very important your gift while it's you and it's you personal is only one of you it was never intended to find its expression in isolation i mean you know your gift by itself is useless 
unless you're part of a multicolored tapestry. Now, what is, a, what is a tapestry? Webster defines a tapestry as a kind of woven hanging consisting of wool and silk, often enriched with gold and silver, which produces a pictorial design. Now, this is powerful. Each of us are like little strands of that tapestry. Our gift is like a strand. Notice some of those strands are supernatural. They're made out of silver and gold. Silver is the color of redemption in the Bible. Uh, Gold is the color of God's glory. So God takes his redemption and his, his glory and all the incredible gifts that God has deposited in this place. He weaves them all together. And here's what's cool. On the front of it, you see this amazing picture develop of which you and I are an indispensable part But that picture is a picture of God's redemptive story that we get to be a part of. Now, what happens if you spin the tapestry around and you look at the back? Very unimpressive. It is full of knots and loose ends. And let me just tell you what happens in a local church when people focus on their gift to the exclusion of the tapestry. You have a lot of knots and loose ends. My dad used to use the phrase, I think, not head, all right? I had that prophesied over my life a time or two, and I probably deserved it, all right? <laughs> when, when the gift is all about you, you become a knot or you become a loose end. That's why I love what Pastor Keith shared last week. You know, there, there are people actually that get, have gotten offended and left the church over the years because we simply ask them in the corporate setting to be part of the tapestry. In other words, submit your gift to the larger whole and see where it finds expression. Well, no one's going to tell me that my gift's from the Holy Spirit. And then they get offended and they leave. That's what you call a knot and a loose end. You can't make anything beautiful out of knots and loose ends. That's why I love Pastor Keith's illustration last Sunday. You might have the gift of speed. Praise God. You made it to first base. Hallelujah. But your coach will kill you if you try to steal second base and he didn't give you the sign. You all know what I'm talking about. Because you need to know the game situation. You need to know whether you're winning, whether you're losing. You need to know the bigger picture because it's not all about your stolen base record. And so sometimes feel like in church, if we're not careful, we feel like it's all about my gift and my stolen base record. It's not. It's not at all. You're part of a tapestry. And the beauty of it is when we all begin to understand who we are, how God's wired us, and we begin to move in the Holy Spirit together, that's when really cool things begin to happen. So let's not be knotheads. Let's not be loose ends. Let's let God weave us and make something really powerful out of this place. Now let me just tell you, I love it when I hear people say, oh man, I, I love that Living Stones Church because they really invest in young people. You know what? That's part of a tapestry that's been woven in this place. I had a new couple this morning I was talking to. They said, man, that worship was so refreshing. You know what? The worship is part of the tapestry that has been woven in this house. When I hear people say, you know what? I've never felt so loved before. That's, they're not talking about one person. They're talking about the tapestry that has come out of this place. When Pastor Keith is crying the next morning on Saturday, and he's not really emotional, but he's moved to to tears over the roar and the number of people Living Stones is sending to the nations of the world, that's not because of superstars, that's because of tapestry. Have you all figured out we can accomplish so much more 
finding our role and serving one another than we can being a superstar. There's lots of superstars in every sport. The problem is superstars don't win championships. Teams win championships. How about let's be a team that wins lots of championships. How about this? You know, when we have teams that keep winning over and over again, they develop a dynasty culture. I'd like to see us be a dynasty here, all right, for the kingdom of God. Amen? Come on. All right. Second point, and some of these are simply reviews, so bear with me, but it's great review. The gift you've been given is not to put on the shelf. You have to steward it. Pastor Andrew challenged us a few weeks back out of uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Paul said this, Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. That word neglect in the Greek, it means viewing something without significance or with no perceived value. I have people that say this, oh, it doesn't matter, you know, my contributions don't matter. What difference can I make? Maybe you've been one of those people. You know what you're doing? You're diminishing the gifting of God in you. Or say, something like this. Somebody could sit out there, I'm picking on Andy, because uh, I like to pick on Andy, he's a good man. But Andy might be sitting out there, and, and he might be new to the church, and Andy plays guitar, you've heard him sing in ministry, he's got a great gift. But here's what he could do if he was an immature believer. He could sit back and go, well, you know what? They already got a guitar player at that church. So I'm just going to sit back here, and I'm just going to sit on my guitar. No, you're not going to sit on your guitar. What do you mean? There's only one guitar player at every church? Uh, are you kidding me? We're trying, to, we're trying to find expression for everybody that has a heart and passion. So the point is, quit diminishing who you are. Quit acting like you're not gifted. Quit acting like you're no good. Because here's the deal. God's, this, is, this is the sobering part. This is crazy. God is going to hold me. I'll make it me so that you feel comfortable this morning. God is going to hold me responsible for what I did with what he gave me. This is serious. I had a, when I was in college, my jun- I had always been involved in student leadership in various positions, and, and one of my mentors challenged me to run for student body president, all right? It got to be springtime. I'm looking at everybody outside playing frisbee, enjoying the sun, and all this kind of stuff. And I went to him and I said, you know what? I don't really know if I want to take the time, energy, effort. And what if I would win? Then I'd have a, like, a real serious job to do and all that kind of stuff. And this is what he said to me. And, and this, is not, this is not like a pat on the back thing. This, this is a principle. This is what he said to me. Not everybody has the gift of leadership. If you have the gift of leadership, it's your God-given responsibility to use it. It took all the flattery out of it. It took all the fluff out of it. And I I sat there stunned. I'd never heard anybody say that before. So I offered myself into that arena, and God blessed me. Here's the point. Whatever the gift that you have, use it for the glory of God. And if you're like, well, I'm not sure, then shouldn't there be a sense of urgency in your heart to discover what that is? Shouldn't there be a sense of passion in your life to say, man, I'm gonna, I want to dig deeper into who God made me to be? Because here's the deal. God is going to hold you re- uh, responsible to steward what's his. You know, every week we talk about tithing and, tithes and offering. What's the principle of the tithe? The 10% out of the 90 isn't yours. It's all not yours. But the 10% in particular, God says, that's mine. So he, he's not jumping up and down doing cartwheels when we, when we honor him with the tithe. It's, it's already his. It's like I give my son a tool and I say, make sure you know where that goes in the garage. When my son brings the shovel back, and it's not run over by a lawnmower. I don't go, hey, 
great job. No, because bringing the shovel back means you recognize and you steward what does not belong to you. Have any of you parents given your kids this, this lecture before? Hey, you're borrowing what from who? Make sure you take great care of that. This is what I say, because it's not ours. Now, I should say that about what's, what is ours, because that should be taken care of too. But if, if Rex loans me something, and I have all the more heightened awareness, I have to take good care of this lawnmower, because it's not mine. I'm extra careful, like I'm not going to run over brick, bricks and rocks and stuff, because it's not mine. And I've always tried to teach my children, let's make sure we bring it back in as good a condition or better than we received it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Check this out. God says, I've given you gifts. I expect you to bring them back in as good a condition or better. In fact, the steward that brought back the same gift in the same condition was called wicked. So God has an expectation on our lives for growth and development. Everybody with me on this? This is the serious part. The fun part is, yay, I got a gift. The serious part is, Use it or lose it. That's the serious part. All right, check this out. We're stewards. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 2 and 7, Now a person who is put in charge as a manager or a steward must be faithful. That's what God's looking for. Faithful. What do you have, the Bible says, that God hasn't given to you? And if everything you have is a gift from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? This is so good. I, I've preached on this before, but I just got to say it again. Do you know how liberating it is when your gift is not about you? I mean, I'm serious. You're happy, you're carefree. You're looking to express that gift whenever it fits, whenever it helps, whatever. But here's the thing. It's not about me. It is a grace gift. When you receive something from somebody else, all you say is this, thank you. Now, I'm going to mess with some of you this morning. Some of you are still disgruntled about how God made you. You don't like yourself. And I'm going to help you this morning. Go home. Look in the mirror. Say, I am gifted. And your response is, thank you, Father, for making me one of a kind. And as you move in a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving, God makes that gift operate through you in greater dimensions, greater glory, greater fruitfulness. You see how how that works? But most people have short-circuited their gift because they're basically saying, God, you just gave me a bunch of junk. Why couldn't I be like that person? Why are you comparing yourself when you're uncomparable with other people. You're one of a kind. Stop it. Start understanding who you are and start realizing you are an expression of the grace of God. And everything that comes to us by grace does not come through us by works or ownership. It comes by grace, 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 which means all we ever do is this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So when someone compliments you, Brent, you do such a good job. You don't go, oh, no, no, hey, here's what you say. Thank you. It's all God's work in my life. Thank you, but that's how he made me. I just enjoy being who I am. You hear that? I enjoy being who I am. You don't have to try being somebody else that you're not. Third point, your gift is for other people. Notice it says you've been given these gifts to serve one another. Now, how many of you have ever come across that phrase, one another, in the Bible? Anybody? There's lots of one another's. In fact, I'm going to give you some facts. There's 100 different one another's in the Bible. 
Why is it that God keeps telling us, act this way one towards another? Well, I'll give you some ideas. Because it highlights some of the importance of, of how we can mess up our gift if we make it all about ourselves. One-third of the commands, so roughly 33 times in the Bible, in the New Testament, uh, deal with the church getting along. So 33 times the commandment is, have peace with one another, be kind to one another. Let me ask you guys a question. Why do you think God was spending so much time telling us how to get along? Because we don't get along. (laughs) Have you ever noticed this thing about gifts? Every man in this room that's married, you married a gift from God. And you will either attack each other or appreciate each other. And the reason we attack each other is because we're different. Now, how many of you know you'll never go to an art museum and look at tapestry and find a beautifully woven single-color tapestry? Because that's boring. Nobody goes, wow, look at that blue rug. (laughs) Wow. No, you don't do that. What makes it a tapestry, (laughs) what makes it a tapestry is the diversity of the colors and of the yarns and of the, here's what makes it special. All the differences woven together. Have you all noticed like in your family, if you have more than one child, they're all different. Sometimes night and day. And the ones who get along the least are the ones who have complementary gifts. They're supposed to be complementing each other, but they haven't matured enough to see it, so they kill each other instead. Y'all know what I'm talking about. An immature marriage that doesn't understand, no, my wife has a different gift set than me, and she actually helps me because I need it. That's the truth. If I don't see that, then I want to attack her as there's a problem with my wife. No, no, that's not the way it works. The reason in churches that we have problems with one another is because we don't understand the gift differences that are seated here. I remember sometimes preaching what I thought were the most motivational messages, and I'm going to get into the fivefold Ephesians 5 gifting, but preaching these apostolic, let's take the next hill, no sissies. And... I thought I motivated everybody, and then I talked to a few mercy people afterwards, and they're like, Pastor, what about so-and-so? I'm like, who's so-and-so? What? I'm just trying to get our vision on taking the mountain. And, but, but mercy people are focusing on getting to the mountain and not losing anybody along the way. And mercy people would irritate the daylights out of me because... I'm not thinking about all that. I just want to get to the top of the mountain and win. But I needed mercy people to remind me, hey, we are people, pastor. <laughs> Come on. We have feelings. Now, I like people. I have feelings too. But I needed people in my life to help balance me out. You know what I'm saying? And so the reason one-third of the one another is tell us, t- t- talk to us about getting along is because let me help you. We need to get along. We need to love each other. In fact, oh, guess what? The other one-third, talk about love one another. 33 roughly times in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit had to repeat himself to tell us to love each other. The Holy Spirit does not have a stuttering problem. 
The Holy Spirit reveals the mind of God, and the mind of God is smart, and the mind of God knows we have trouble loving one another. And how about this? If we could really get it down pat, those gifts would just be crazy awesome if we learn to love each other. Okay, you ready? It gets worse. 15% of the love one another's talk about humbling ourselves and preferring other people over ourselves. Get along, love one another, humble yourself. Now, let me just give you a very practical thing. Church potlucks. I've been at church potlucks where when the pastor says amen, the first people to the line are literally sprinting, knocking people down, running up their backs, getting to the front, and they have a plate so full of food that it takes four people to escort them to their seat. Now, that's not called giving preference to one another. That's called, I'm hungry. Now, when it's a four-year-old, it's okay. When it's a 44-year-old, not so good, all right? And we teach this around here. The leaders eat last. Because leadership is about serving and going low and helping and preferring. So if you're a leader, it doesn't give you the privilege to go first. It gives you the privilege to serve and go last because that's what biblical leadership's about. So we're going to love one another. We're going to get along with one another. And oh, the killer, we're going to go lower than the person next to us to lift them up and to serve them and to treat them with kindness. <laughs> Who's excited about spiritual gifts now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey. No, no wonder Andrew's preaching on First Peter or First Timothy. Stir up the gift within you. Well, of course we got to stir it up. Stir up humility. Are you kidding me? Last in line. Use my gift to serve others. Um, boy, but when it, when churches are like the voice, when we're like sunflowers, uh, then we got problems. We get all kinds of ugly stuff going on when we forget that we're given gifts to serve people. Listen to what, just what Peter says in his, his epistle alone. Uh, love one another deeply from the heart. Live in harmony with one another. Love each other deeply. He said it again. Sometimes, let me just say that sometimes we glorify the early church. Like we're trying to get, I've heard people, we have to get back to the early church. No, we don't. The early church had to be told repeatedly, love one another. Stop doing what you're doing. Uh, Treat each other with kindness. Guess what? They were just like us. We just need the Holy Spirit just like they did. How about this one? Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Clothe yourself with humility toward one another. And can I just meddle with you really big here? You cannot obey the 100 commands to one another if you're not with one another. Yeah. <laughs> People say, well, where, well, where's the Bible say you need to go to church? One another. You can't hang out at home in your living room watching a TV preacher and one another. What are you going to do? One another with the TV? Hey, I love you. Hey, no, you go. For, no, no, no you got to be with people. 
100 times God gave us one another's. You better have some another's around you or else it's just one and God never commands us to be alone. You have to be with people to practice the word of God. Let me just say this. You'll never learn how to love people if all you do is hide in your prayer closet. You might, you might tell you, people feel like they can glow in the dark. Just put you around somebody, one other person. Sometimes it's your spouse. Okay, I'm messing it up with you. All right. You got to be around people. Now let's get specific here. We'll wrap this thing up. Two broad categories I want you to see. Sometimes when you teach on spiritual gifts, the hard part is there's so many gifts. How do you categorize them all? How do you, how do you get your arm around them? So I'm going to start with the most basic uh, fork in the road here today and we're going to see which i want you to think which of these is your lead foot this goes for men women children we're all gifted which is your lead foot all right take a look at what the bible says here if you have a speaking gift so some of us have the grace to speak we're we're verbally oriented if you have a speaking gift speak as though it were god speaking his words through you now how many of you have been told you have a mouth (laughs) confession is a good thing all right the problem is some of us with gifted mouths have not spoken life with our mouths we speak death with our mouths how many of you know that tongue of ours can be a sword or it can bring healing and i want you to see this some of us are more verbal we we, we're talkers we're we're the people that we try to put out there at the doors greeting Um, we're people that are life group folks that are loving on people and maybe teaching a lesson Um, we have people on stage here they're more verbal Uh, there's lots of ways some some of you are encouragers you're uh, you affirm people Um, and 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 you tend you tend to lead with your mouth which is a good thing to know but here's the challenge God said, make sure when you use that mouth, it's as if I were speaking. Oh, how many of you, the altar's open right now. We can just all come repent. (laughs) In fact, comma. (laughs) This is serious. So if you've been given a gift to verbally communicate, or, or in writing, some of you are incredible writers. We should be communicating things that honor the Lord and that encourage and love and stimulate faith in people. Listen to what it says, Ephesians 4.29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Good, helpful, encouraging. I mean, those are three strong adjectives. Now, you know, we were sharing last week about the guy on first base who's fast, but he needs a sign from the coach to steal second. One of the things Pastor Keith shared was that if somebody in the, in the congregation senses they have a word from the Holy Spirit that they want to share, uh, then what we ask is that you submit it to your leadership. You say, well, Pastor, where did you come up with that? Let me help you. Let me help you. Years ago, in a galaxy far away, we were in a church service. And somebody stood up, and, you know, when you preface it with, Thus saith the Lord. I mean, you know, you can't get any higher authority than that. Thus saith the Lord. God's mad at all of y'all, and I saw a picture of a toilet, and God is flushing you all down the toilet. (laughs) How many of you would feel encouraged with that word right there? Everybody's running to find toilet paper. I know. And 
How many know it is tough to recover from a word like that, especially when it's been preceded and postdated by thus saith the Lord? How many know that wasn't the Lord? That was somebody on first base who just got thrown out at second. (laughs) And they cost us the game. You're out of there. All right, I wish it was that easy. You're out of here. All right, we can't. Well, sometimes we've had to do that. But anyway, (laughs) the purpose is this. When you speak, you speak for the Lord. So here's what I suggest. Instead of being bold with the, thus saith the Lord. How about something like this? You know, I'm sensing that the Holy Spirit might be saying, it has a ring of humility to it, doesn't it? It makes it a little more easy to swallow. And if you get thrown out a second, we'll have mercy on you. But if you say, thus saith the Lord, and flush us all down the toilet, you're going to really be, we're going to have to go back to those one another's, and we're going to have to remember what we're called to do. So here's the point, too. So we're flowing together. If you're a word person, speak life to people. Let your mouth be a source of faith and encouragement to people, not a whip that beats people or a sword that hacks people. All right. Second thing is the grace to serve. I want to quickly go to here. Uh, This is a a people that enjoy serving with their hands. If you have a gift of serving, do it passionately with the strength that God gives you. This is awesome. Some people just love uh, the the behind-the-scenes, oftentimes, hand-service stuff. Like my mom, she was always telling me, as the senior pastor's wife, people would come up to her and they'd see her running a vacuum cleaner. Oh, no, no, no. You shouldn't be doing that. Take the vacuum cleaner away from her. Well, she wasn't running a vacuum cleaner because, you know, she's got to do penance or something at church, and she's trying to get out of the doghouse or be happy with God. You know why my mom runs a vacuum cleaner? Because she loves to serve. On Thanksgiving, you know, our tribe is growing, you know, Uh, grandkids, She's the one, many times at the sink, rinsing all the plates off. We're like, Mom, stop it. Get over here. But here's what she says. I like to do this. You know what? There's people. Where's Patsy? Patsy in the kitchen yesterday. <laughs> she was just pointing at you. Patsy, come up, and, come up and sing a song about how much you... you no, that was... <laughs> but, but if you put Patsy behind the scenes and let her make sandwiches and cook food and, and help serve 150 teenagers, she just died and went to heaven. I'm telling you. So here's the deal. My mom would say, people need to let me do what I like to do. So did you hear that? Buy her a vacuum cleaner is what I'm telling you, all right? <laughs> Bring your dirty dishes to her. I'm not kidding. But the point is this. We, we, we usually tend to view the world through our own gifts. And then we think everybody should be like us. The good news is, I, I actually had this thought one time, nobody's like me. Why doesn't everybody think like me? Holy Spirit whisper, hey, nobody thinks like you. (laughs) Deal with it. So it's a humble thing. Nobody has the same gift mix that you do. But here's also what I've noticed. Like if you have a gift of encouragement, Dawn, you're an encourager. Encourage, 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 encourage. All right. What happens, though, is when encouragers are down, they're looking for encouragement. And guess what? Everybody's not like Dawn. So here's what happens at churches. I encourage everybody all the time. 
But hey, when I go through a difficult time, nobody encourages me. And, and, it, and, and the voice in your head actually has a satanic lisp to it. If you listen carefully, it's not quite your voice. It's actually the devil's voice telling you how all of your church family tapestry members are losers. And you need to go to a better church where they're more encouraging. How many of you ever heard those voices? Let me tell you how this works with service people. Serve, 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 serve. I'm exhausted. I need help myself. Nobody's helping. I've served at that church for 15 years. And I don't even get a welcome mug. I'm telling the truth, all right? Because here's the deal. Every strength has a dark side. And the reason you need other people is to keep you from going to the dark side. I just want to say this loud and clear. Every, and I, if you notice me, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a mouth. Every Sunday, I try to encourage somebody. I try to thank somebody I try to honor somebody. Have you guys kind of noticed that? I've been a little bit hurt that you haven't noticed that more. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I don't want anybody who's a somebody to feel like they're a nobody. That wasn't even in the notes. <laughs> it's the gift of God. But here's the other deal. There are people here, you drive in on Sunday and you see the grass cut, you see clean floors. Someone said, man, I go into the bathroom every, every time I'm in the bathroom. It's clean. Hallelujah. Now, I will pick things up when I walk in there, but it is clean because we have an amazing team of people that love to serve and they enjoy it. The reason things are in repair around this place is because, and I just want to say this to all the men, sometimes men, they come to church, they might see, depending on what background you come from, they might be a, a man in a gown, uh, clerical collar, clerical cl- clergy stuff, doing, doing religious things, and some of you guys are out there, you're working hard jobs, you're building things, you're working heavy equipment, you're, you're whatever, all right, but, but you're not wearing a clerical gown, and you come to church and you're like, I don't think I really identify with what's going on in that place. Well, can I just pop your little bubble for you? When you're gifted to move heavy equipment, drive heavy equipment, and build what you build, and you've got, you can wire stuff, and you can fix computers, and you can set up systems, and you can, you can do spreadsheets, and you can, do you know that that is gifting God's deposited in you for his glory and to serve other people, and you're just as spiritual as I am on this stage trying to read from the Bible and trying not to screw it up. All right? I mean that with all my heart. You need, to, you need to see value in what you do. And I'll just say this. You know, I'm looking over here at my son, Jay. Jason, Jason we're, we're talking about Ephesians 4 gifting. Jason has a pastoral anointing on his life, but he's not at church. He's at Chick-fil-A. And if you talk to everybody that works with Jason at Chick-fil-A, they love him. In fact, he called me up one night, and he said, Dad, after we close, everybody gets together, and usually we go to Taco Bell or something like that because it's the only late-night place. But uh, he goes, can we come back to the church and use the marriage room? I'm like, sure. 
I didn't realize, I thought it was like five, five young people. No, there was like 40 of them. They, they were in, they were in, I kid you not, they were in the marriage classroom till three in the morning because they they're the late night crew. They never sleep. They stay up all night. But what I, what I realized is this. There are some people, I look at Andy's said, dude, Andy has a strong pastoral anointing. What did Andy do with his life? Andy was ser- serving in a healthcare setting, caring for people's, broken people's needs because he's got a pastor's heart. Now, he's got as much of a pastoral anointing as I'm, mine's expressed here, his is expressed there. But you all see how this works? You got to get who you are and then be who you are. And I'm just telling you, the major fork in the road right now is leading with your voice, your mouth, your words, your writing, your creating, or leading with your hands, your serving, your helping, your hospitality, all that kind of stuff. So how many of you, I want you, if you, if you feel like your fundamental lead gift is verbal, all right, speaking, stand to your feet. I want to see all of you. We want to pray for you guys. Mouth, courager, life giver, writer, singer, whatever, mouth. Yes, I'm looking at all these wonderful mouths. All these wonderful mouths. Some of the nicest mouths, just so you know. Some of the mi- nicest mouths I've ever seen in my life, all in one place. Hey, how about we do this? Let's, let's give our mouths to the Lord this morning. I want you guys standing up, and the rest of you just pray for them. I'm going to get to you in a minute, but let's pray for all the mouths in this place. Lord, thank you that you've given many, many gifts of speaking and communicating and encouraging and affirming and leading and loving with our mouths and with our voices. Lord, I ask you to bless and increase it. Lord, where we have had polluted stuff come out of our mouths, we ask you now to forgive us for that. God, we want to submit our voice to the authority of God Almighty, and we want to speak words of life to people. So, Lord, here we are. Use us. Use our mouths to bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand. All right. Now, everybody else should be standing unless you're totally confused. I tried to make it real simple. Choice A, choice B. There's no other choices right now. Just A, B. How many of you would identify more with your hands serving, helping, hospitality, making things happen? I want you guys to stand up. I want to pray for you this morning. Oh, yeah. Some of you have both sets, but I'm just trying to get you your lead foot. All right, hey, let's give our hands to the Lord. Father, use these hands for your glory. Use our lives for your glory. Thank you for these big-hearted people, Lord, that love to roll up their sleeves and love to touch other people. Lord, I pray again, let there be an awakening, a stewarding, a, a shaking in our hearts and in our hands to do it even more, to love even more, to serve even more, and God, to do it with great joy. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. All right, let me close here, right here. Last thing, so important. I promise you, end of the story. The Bible says, so that in everything, God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ. For to God alone belongs the power and the glory forever throughout all ages. Amen. How many of you know, because we're the ones receiving the gift, the one who gives the gift always receives the glory. The one receiving the gift gets the joy. Now hear this. When you mess up your service or you mess up your speaking is when you move out of the receiving end into the source side of it, if you know what I mean. Always stay humble. Always stay dependent. Always stay receiving. Because when you do, God's getting the glory 
We're getting the joy, and people are getting blessed. Y'all get this? In fact, the Bible says, serve the Lord with gladness. If we're not serving with gladness, it's all perverted. It's all, it's all inverted. This should be the happiest, most joyful gathering on planet Earth. Sunday morning, God's people coming together with glad hearts, knowing who we are, expressing our gifts, which we receive by grace from God, giving them out, and experiencing the joy of what it means to be who God created us to be. That's called church. And the more we do that, the more we learn, the more we function, the more we develop this, uh, the more fun we have because the more the gospel gets preached, the more people get healed, the more people come to know Jesus, and the more God gets glorified. That's, that's what it means to be moving as a gifted person. So let's use our mouths this week. Let's use our hands this week. Let's use them both this week. Uh, but let's make sure when we leave here, we're loving on people and blessing people. Stand to your feet. All right, I want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just ask for an ever-increasing anointing to love and to serve and to do it with joy. Even now, Lord, we choose joy. We choose joy. Some of you are going through difficult times. You should be grace hogs today, like my wife said. Just, you should be reaching out to the Lord to get all the grace and then some that you need, with the goal being that as God fills your heart, you're able to release it joyfully to other people. So, Lord, help us. Help us, help us, help us. Let that river of joy and the river of your grace continue to pour over us today. We give you the praise. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, marriage class, 4 o'clock. If you need prayer, come on down. We want to pray for you.